I'm Wayne Turner, and welcome to the daily podcast of Bible Track. I have developed Bible Track to be both a commentary and a daily Bible reading schedule. These podcasts cover the text and commentary, which may be found at www.bibletrack.org. So, for those who have a busy schedule but do have time to listen to the Bible being read, this podcast is for you. At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible. In today's reading, we'll be looking at passages in all four of the Gospels. We'll be looking at Matthew chapter 4, Matthew chapter 8, also Mark chapter 1, Luke chapter 4, and John chapter 4. In this passage, we're going to see the following events in Jesus' ministry as we look at his life and his ministry chronologically. First of all, we see that Jesus in this passage has left Judea after observing the first Passover feast there, and that was in John chapter 2. In this passage, we'll see that Jesus arrives in Galilee, and he attends a synagogue in Nazareth where he declares his Messiahship. Jesus then goes into Capernaum, where he fulfills Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. And then we'll also see that Jesus tours Galilee, ministering to lots of people. All these events take place between the first and second Passover feast of Jesus' ministry. Now we're going to look at four passages of Scripture. Matthew chapter 4, verse 12, Mark chapter 1, Luke chapter 4, and John chapter 4, all of these showing that Jesus moves into Galilee for his ministry. Matthew chapter 4, verse 12. Now when Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison, he departed into Galilee. Here's the way Mark expresses it in chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. Now after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. And saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye, and believe the gospel. Here's the way Luke expresses it in Luke chapter 4, verses 14 and 15. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into the Galilee, and there went out a fame of him through all the region round about. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. And finally, John's gospel in John chapter 4, verses 43 through 45. Now after two days he departed thence and went into Galilee. For Jesus himself testified that a prophet hath no honor in his own country. Then when he was come into Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things that he did at Jerusalem at the feast. For they also went unto the feast. Now to put these four passages in perspective, here's the occasion that we find of, in the imprisonment of John the Baptist. Jesus and his disciples, by way of Samaria, go into northern Israel, back to Galilee, where he was raised. We follow John's chronology here. In the verses leading up to this passage, Jesus had left Judea and headed through Samaria, where he spent some time with the Samaritans in John chapter 5, verses 1 through 42. Matthew's mention of John the Baptist's imprisonment seems to suggest that Jerusalem was a little too hostile at this point in time toward the Messianic message. John makes a curious statement in verse 44 in light of what is called a successful mission in verse 45. Notice verse 44 where John quotes Jesus as saying, A prophet hath no honor in his own country. That comment seems out of place in this passage in view of the fact that the people of Galilee are very responsive here. Verse 45 shows us that. Remember, John wrote his account of Jesus' ministry after the crucifixion. 
He's obviously giving us a little insight here regarding Galilee. Insight provided also by Matthew and Mark later on after a less successful trip into Galilee in Matthew chapter 13 and Mark chapter 6. Apparently, John just wanted his readers to have a complete perspective regarding the people of Galilee at the outset. This comment takes on more meaning in the context of Jesus appearing in the synagogue in Nazareth when he reads the prophecy of Isaiah and then applies it to himself. As we'll see in a few minutes, Luke adds the context to this statement by Jesus as he is rejected by the Jews in the synagogue at Nazareth in Luke chapter 4 verse 24. But now let's move on to John chapter 4, verses 46 to 54. So Jesus came again into Cana of Galilee, where he made the water wine, and there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went unto him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then said Jesus unto him, Except ye see signs and wonders, ye will not believe. The nobleman saith unto him, Sir, come down ere my child die. Jesus saith unto him, Go thy way, thy son liveth. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him, and he went his way. And as he was going down, his servants met him, and told him, saying, Thy son liveth. Then inquired he of them the hour when he began to amend. And they said unto him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in the which Jesus said unto him, Thy son liveth, and himself believed, and his whole house. This is again the second miracle that Jesus did when he was come out of Judea into Galilee. We see here that Jesus is now back in Cana, that's a city in Galilee in northern Israel, where he had performed his first miracle, that miracle of turning the water into wine at the wedding of Cana in John chapter 2. He is approached by a nobleman, that's the high government official, could have been Roman, could have been Jewish. He's approached by this government official to come heal his son. Notice the statement Jesus makes in John chapter 4 verse 48. Then said Jesus unto him, except ye see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Again, consider what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22, For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. It was just the Jewish way. It's important to understand that Jesus came to perform miracles, not because they needed to be done, but to establish his identity as the Messiah. The Jewish people simply required that. Now, that statement regarding the establishment of his identity as the Messiah becomes significant in light of the healing miracle mission to which some believers today feel they are called. There were many people in Jesus' day who were not healed, and many situations that could have been remedied by a miracle, but they weren't. The purpose for Jesus' supernatural displays was not to remedy all physical suffering around him and not to solve all problems, but rather the much greater mission of establishing his authority over the elements as God in the flesh. Now that was the mission of Jesus. You will notice that Jesus does not actually go to Capernaum, approximately 16 miles northeast of Cana, to personally oversee the healing of the official son. We see in verse 50 that Jesus saith unto him, Go thy way, thy son liveth. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him, and he went his way. Well, as it turns out, 
This is the exact hour when his son was healed, leading to the conversion of the nobleman's household. Now, in Luke chapter 4, verses 16 through 30, we see the the Jews in uh, Nazareth, they fly into a rage. Verse 16, And he came into Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, and gave it again to the minister, and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. And all bear him witness, and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is not this Joseph's son? And he said unto them, You will surely say unto me this proverb, Physician, heal thyself. Whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in thy country. And he said, Verily I say unto you, No prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you of a truth, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, when great famine was throughout all the land. But unto none of them was Elijah sent, save unto Sarepta, a city of Zidon, unto a woman that was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them was cleansed, saving Naaman the Syrian. And all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath, and rose up and thrust him out of the city, and led him to the brow of the hill wherein the city was built, that they might cast him down headlong. But he, passing through the midst of them, went his way. So still in the region of Galilee, Jesus goes into the synagogue back in his own town of Nazareth. That was seven miles south of Canaan. When given the opportunity to read, he chooses Isaiah chapter 61. After reading, Jesus closes the book and makes this statement in verse 20. This day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. He then proclaims to them that they are not of a mindset to accept him, but neither were the people in the days of Elijah especially in his own hometown. Well, sure enough, they make an unsuccessful attempt to put him to death. It's worth making note here that this is the first rejection of Jesus as the Messiah by the Jews. You will recall the statement Jesus made in John chapter 4, verse 44, when he said, A prophet hath no honor in his own country. Well, here's that reality. And Jesus points out in verse 24 to the people in the synagogue, No prophet is accepted in his own country. Jesus himself comments on his healing and miracle ministry on this occasion, beginning in verse 23. And he said unto them, You will surely say unto me this proverb, Physician, heal thyself. Whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in thy country. In other words, he perceived that they would like him to prove his messiahship by healing everyone in the region. However, he calls upon the life and ministry of two prophets, Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 17 and Elisha in 2 Kings chapter 5. With regard to Elijah, he only raised the son of one widow woman, and Elijah only healed Naaman of leprosy. 
Neither of these well-respected Hebrew prophets extended their healing abilities to entire regions. As stated earlier, Jesus did not come with the intention of healing all of the sick, but to establish himself as the Messiah for whom the Jews had been waiting. Now let's look at Matthew chapter 4, verses 13 through 17, about the message that Jesus is preaching. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is upon the sea coast in the borders of Zebulon and Naphtalim, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtalim, by the way of the sea, beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people which sat in darkness saw a great light, and to them which sat in the region in shadow of death, light has sprung up. From that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Matthew 4.17 perhaps needs some explanation in this passage. What is the message that Christ is preaching here? Is it salvation by grace like we experience today? Well, essentially, but not exactly. Keep in mind that at this point in time, the Jews have an opportunity to receive Jesus as the Christ, meaning the Messiah. The message Christ is preaching is one of repentance leading to the establishment of the earthly Davidic kingdom. That's the message of the kingdom of heaven. That's the message the Jews rejected. Notice the exact words of Jesus in verse 17. For that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The Greek word for repent there is metanoeo, which means to think differently or to change one's mind or attitude. The emphasis here with the use of the word repent is to encourage them to change their minds about the presence of the Messiah in their midst. Back in Nazareth, he had recently proclaimed himself to be that promised Messiah. Now the people must process that information and change their minds and attitudes to accept it. Matthew points out that Christ fulfills another Old Testament prophecy on this road trip found in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, the preaching of the gospel to the inhabitants of Galilee. He quotes Isaiah in Matthew chapter 4, verses 14 to 16. Matthew explains from Isaiah's prophecy that the same territory of Israel that first fell to the Assyrian captivity would be the first to see the kingdom. And that, of course, were the two regions that are listed there when he speaks of Zebulon and Naphtali. After all, Jesus came from Galilee, and that's that same northern territory. That's the territory about which Isaiah gives his Messianic prophecy in that passage. In my opinion, that prophecy in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 7, is perhaps the most significant prophecy concerning the identity of the Messiah to be found in the entire Old Testament. In Matthew chapter 4, Mark chapter 1, and Luke chapter 5, the passages that we're getting ready to read, we find uh, Simon Peter gets a lesson on fishing. Let's first read Matthew's account in verses 18 through 22 of chapter 4. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon and Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he said unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw two other brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in a ship with Zebedee their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And they immediately left their ship and their father and followed him. Now let's read the same account in the book of Mark, Mark chapter 1, verses 16 through 20. 
Now as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew his brother casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. And straightway they forsook their nets, and followed him. And when he had gone a little further thence, he saw James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, who also were in the ship mending their nets. And straightway he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the ship with the hired servants, and went after him. Now let's read the same incident in Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them, and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep, and let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all night, and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net brake. They beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. They came, and filled both the ships, so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' feet, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished in all that were with him, at the draught of fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. Well, everybody loves a good fish story. Well, how about this one? Peter and his crew fish all night and catch nothing. When Jesus shows up the next morning and tells him to simply cast the net to the other side of the ship, they catch more than they could handle. This story becomes extremely significant because of Peter's response in verse 8 when he acknowledges his sin of doubt and declares Jesus as Lord. Something else happened as a result of that incident. They all, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, left their lifelong trade of fishing. We see the calling of the four disciples in John chapter 1, verses 35 to 51 also. A complete list of the twelve apostles may be found in that summary in John chapter 1, verses 35 to 51. Incidentally, we see Luke using a more specific name for the Sea of Galilee when he calls it the Lake of Gennesaret. This lake is 12.5 miles long, and it's about 4 to 7.5 miles across, depending on where you cross. Its surface is 682 feet below the Mediterranean with a depth from 80 to 160 feet. This body of water gets a lot of mention in the Gospel accounts, being in northern Israel where Jesus and his disciples spent a great deal of time during Jesus' ministry. Now we find the incident of some demons and Jesus in Mark chapter 1 and Luke chapter 4. Let's look at Mark chapter 1 verses 21 to 28. And they went into Capernaum, and straightway on the Sabbath day he entered into the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one that had authority, and not as the scribes. And there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace, and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice, he came out of him. 
And they were all amazed insomuch that they questioned among themselves, saying, What thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority commandeth he even the unclean spirits, and they do obey him. And immediately his fame spread abroad throughout all the region round about Galilee. Now let's read the same incident in Luke chapter 4, verses 31 through 37. And came down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and taught them on the Sabbath days. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was with power. And in the synagogue there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil, and cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone, what have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace, and come out of him. And when the devil had thrown him in the midst, he came out of him, and heard him not. And they were all amazed, and spake among themselves, saying, What a word is this! For with authority and power he commandeth the unclean spirits, and they come out. And the fame of him went out into every place of the country round about. So in this passage, these two accounts, Jesus moves into Capernaum. There's no question in the minds of the demons who Jesus is. He's the Messiah. Notice the clear reference the demon makes to Jesus when he proclaims, You are the Holy One of God. A clear reference to Jesus as the Messiah by an ambassador of Satan himself. The people observing this miracle of Jesus casting out this demon were impressed at the authority over demons demonstrated by Jesus. Notice Mark's comments regarding the teaching of Jesus in verse 22. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. Ouch! If you're a scribe, a professional teacher, and a writer by trade, that comment's got to hurt. We then see that Jesus becomes famous in the region of Galilee, but he's not making any friends with the Jewish leadership. In the next passages, we're going to see in Matthew, Mark, and Luke that Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law. First, let's look at Matthew chapter 8, verses 14 and 15. And when Jesus was coming to Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever. And he touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she arose and ministered unto them. Now let's look at the same account in Mark chapter 1, verses 29 to 31. And forthwith, when they were come out of the synagogue, they entered into the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. But Simon's wife's mother lay sick of a fever, and anon they tell him of her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her, and she ministered unto them. Now we'll look at the same in Luke chapter 4, verses 38 and 39. And he arose out of the synagogue and entered into Simon's house. And Simon's wife's mother was taken with a great fever, and they besought him for her. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she arose and ministered unto them. By the way, if you didn't notice, Peter was married, or at least had been married. Otherwise, you know, how could you have a mother-in-law? Peter's mother-in-law lived in Capernaum in Galilee, and we also see that his mother-in-law was very grateful for the healing. Now let's take a look at some other healings. In Matthew chapter 8, in Mark chapter 1, and Luke chapter 4. First, Matthew chapter 8, verses 16 and 17. When the even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word, and healed all that were sick that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. 
Now let's look at Mark chapter 1, verses 32 to 34. And at even, when the sun did set, they brought unto him all that were diseased, and them that were possessed with devils. And all the city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many that were sick of diverse diseases, and cast out many devils, and suffered not the devils to speak, because they knew him. Now let's look at Luke chapter 4, verses 40 and 41. Now when the sun was setting, all they that had any sick with diverse diseases brought them unto him. And he laid his hands on every one of them, and healed them. And devils also came out of many, crying out, and saying, Thou art the Christ, the Son of God. And he, rebuking them, suffered them not to speak, for they knew that he was Christ. It's interesting to note here that the reputation of Jesus had spread here in Capernaum to the point that many people came to him with demon possessions and sicknesses. Jesus cast the demons out and healed all the sick. Matthew correlates this power of a sickness demonstrated by Jesus to a prophecy by Isaiah. That's the one in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 4, which says, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, spent of God, and afflicted. In actuality, the Hebrew word for griefs there is koli, which is almost always translated sickness in the Old Testament. The Hebrew word for sorrows there is makob, a word expressing the result of that sickness being pain or sorrow. So this verse tells us that Jesus suffered the physical ailment and resulting pain of the cross on our behalf. However, he was counted as rejected by God as he was enduring that pain. Matthew captures the essence of this verse when he quotes it in verse 17. He says that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. One might get the impression from the English translation of Isaiah 53.4 that this verse refers to spiritual grief and sorrow. But Matthew makes it plain that it is infirmities and sicknesses as in physical suffering. I might add that while the Hebrew in this verse clearly depicts physical suffering and not spiritual, the Septuagint, the Old Testament in Greek, actually gets it wrong, gets it wrong by translating koli as Hamartia, that's the word for sin. Perhaps this faulty Greek translation has led to the common misunderstanding of this verse to be regarded as spiritual grief and sorrow rather than physical. Nonetheless, Matthew renders it correctly in verse 17. Here's that reality. Jesus has power over sickness, a reality he demonstrated in Matthew chapter 8, verse 16. Now we see in Mark chapter 1, verse 35, a verse that stands alone. We see that Jesus was an early riser. Verse 35, And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place, and there prayed. This verse became the basis for many to have a quiet time in the mornings for devotions. And lastly, in today's reading, we'll be looking at three passages. Matthew chapter 4, Mark chapter 1, and Luke chapter 4, all talking about the fruitful ministry in Galilee that Jesus had at this point in time. First of all, Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments, and those which were possessed with devils, and those which were lunatic, and those that had the palsy, and he healed them. And there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee, and from Decapolis, and from Jerusalem, and from Judea, and from beyond Jordan. 
Now let's consult Mark on this. Mark chapter 1, verses 36 through 39. And Simon and they that were with him followed after him. And when they had found him, they said unto him, All men seek for thee. And he said unto them, Let us go into the next towns, that I may preach there also. For therefore came I forth. And he preached in the synagogues throughout all Galilee, and cast out devils. Now let's look at Luke chapter 4, verses 42 to 44. And when it was day, he departed and went into a desert place. And the people sought him, and came unto him, and stayed him, that he should not depart from thence. And he said unto them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, for therefore am I sent. And he preached in the synagogues of Galilee. So here in northern Israel, in the vicinity of his hometown, Jesus acquires a significant following of folks as he performs miracles and healings. As a matter of fact, Matthew 4.25 says, And there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee, and from Decapolis, and from Jerusalem, and from Judea, and from beyond Jordan. And verse 24 indicates the popularity of Jesus north of Israel, way up into Syria. This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletrack.org. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Faith Bible Church, Paul Walter. Thank you.